0: This is ContactTalkRadio.com, consciousness in action, and you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into
1: Contact Talk Radio.
0: And on TuneIn.com, FM, and UpSnap Mobile.
1: Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald.
0: My mama told me when I was young We're all our
1: superstars Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me here on this lovely Friday. My name is Lisa McDonald. I'm your host of Carpe Diem with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership, 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. I couldn't be more grateful for my particular guest today. Uh, everybody knows this gentleman. Uh, and it's taken a year for this to finally come to fruition. So I certainly couldn't be more grateful and more enthusiastic to have uh, Bob McGrath, uh, with Sesame Street for 45 years, and I'm going to give you a little bit of intro uh, about my guest, Bob, before we turn it over, as I always do with my guest, to unscripted dialogue. So who, okay. is Bob, who is Bob McGrath? Well, Robert Emmett McGrath is an American singer and actor born in Ottawa, Illinois. For 38 years, McGrath was a regular fixture on Telemiracle, a telethon broadcast annually on CTV outlets in the Canadian province of Saskatchewan. 2015 was his final appearance at Tell a Miracle, where performers at the show paid tribute to him. On March 3, 2006, he was awarded the Commemorative Medal for the Centennial of Saskatchewan for his work by the Lieutenant Governor of Saskatchewan, Linda Haverstock. He was given the Saskatchewan Distinguished Service Award in 2013 by the Premier of Saskatchewan, Brad Wall. Bob Bob has written many children's books, including Uh Uh-Oh!, Got to go and oops, excuse me, please. In 1995, he was awarded a grant from the Foundation for Contemporary Arts Grants to Artists Award. McGrath, Sing Me a Story was nominated for the 7th Annual Independent Music Awards for Children's Album of the Year. On April 10th, 2010, he was the first recipient of the University of Michigan Men's Glee Club Lifetime Achievement Award. McGrath also served as Master of Ceremonies at the Glee Club's 150th Anniversary Celebration Weekend. Bob and his wife, Ann, have five five children, six grandchildren, and two grandsons. So I just want to say thank you so very much, Bob, for taking the time out of your super off-the-hook schedule for joining me here today with our
0: listeners. Thank you. You're very welcome, Lisa. I'm I'm delighted to be with you. I I get tired just listening to that. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess I've done most of all those things, but uh, fortunately there was a little space in between a lot of those, so uh, I'm still kicking.
1: (laughs) Well, that's good. I couldn't be more grateful to have you here, Bob. And I just want to say, uh, that, you know, I'm very particular with the guests that I seek out. And my show, my brand, uh, it's all about living fearlessly. It's all about relinquishing fear, embracing passions, and truly honoring yourself by doing what, what provides you with joy and puts fire in your belly. And so yep. when I think of you, you're very synonymous with all the wonderful things that I think about as it relates to children. I'm an author, so I really respect and appreciate a lot of what you've contributed to our children and to education. So I just want to say just stellar, off the hook, the uh,
0: human being you are. Well, so, thank you. I've, I've been really lucky to be invited to be involved with all kinds of things that involve children, and uh, in addition to the TeleMiracle I just uh retired uh, a year ago also at the same time from the variety ch- uh, children's charity in Vancouver. I did that for about thirty five or forty years also and uh fantastic involving with kids during my concerts and so forth and you know they always bring great joy to you and you always go home, especially from the Telemiracles in Vancouver and in Saskatchewan and Regina and saskatoon uh, <clears throat> with you know five children of my own and eight grandchildren, you just, every time you come home, sort of overnourished with the gratitude that you have healthy children. If, in fact, you know, fortunately, we, we do have healthy children and grandchildren. When you see the courage that these kids who have tremendous challenges in life overcome, and they're, it's always amazing to me, they're always sort of wiser than their years, than their years, because I think... Um, some of the challenges and suffering that they've been through um, mm-hmm. tend to make them that way. So it's uh, it's extremely rewarding to work with these two incredible organizations, and Saskatchewan is unbelievable. I mean, the, the, the generosity of that province is not to be believed. Uh, I found it very rewarding when I work there every time. I find it very home, very comforting, and almost like home, because I grew up on a farm in Illinois, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. and that sort of... Farm mentality helping one another is exactly what I found in the province of Saskatchewan. It would be difficult to do it in a major city like Toronto or New York City because uh, of the numbers of people, but uh, I think they were in the Guinness Book of Records that maybe still for the most generous per capita uh, people, wow. either in North America, I believe in North America, I don't not the world, I'm not sure, I don't know, but uh, in North America. That's amazing. So.
1: I did not yep. know that. That's absolutely amazing. And being from uh, Canada myself, although I'm in the province of Ontario, you mm-hmm. know, it, it just warms my heart when I hear about people who are born and bred in the States making all kinds of vital contributions to people in Canada. So I want to thank you for that on behalf of all fellow Canadians.
0: You're very welcome. And I, I think we have uh, one. Well, he's not a good friend of mine. His son is fairly. Peace and friend, we don't see each other that often, but I think you—I noticed in running through your bios, uh, you are no Walter Gretzky. Wayne. Yes, I, right.
1: Yes, I. And I, I do. had
0: the opportunity of, of when when Wayne was dating a girl that used to do some of the telethons uh, in Canada, various places. Um, he came along with with her a number of times, so we got to know each other, and I had the opportunity of doing two or three of his. Fundraiser benefits with a lot of great hockey guys, and uh-huh. as a matter of fact, I was in Edmonton when they won the when they won the championship the the Grey Cup, right? Uh,
1: wow. The cup, the,
0: yeah, and so I have a photo which I've misplaced, but I'm going to hunt the house down to the bare bones one of these days because it's. <laughs> a, I went to the I went to the party afterwards, and there's a picture of the they filled the the cup up with beer. And uh-huh. I have a picture of Wayne hoisting the cup up to me while I'm taking a little slug of beer from the Stanley Cup, <laughs> right? Yeah, not to <laughs> so. That's one of my cherished photos, which I can't lay my hands on at the moment. But uh, the memory is wonderful, and we Beautiful. we had a chance to get to know each other on a, on some other fundraisers of that uh, Wayne did around in Canada, Lovely. And Vancouver and around. Yeah.
1: Well, like you, Walter is uh, very much salt of the earth human being. I I try to see him a couple times a month. Oh, really?
0: Yeah,
1: he was very gracious. Give give him my
0: best. We're not buddy buddies. We don't go bowling together, but he's been (laughs) certainly all around whenever uh, Wayne was doing something that I was involved in. So I have a great admiration for him. because uh, Someone told me one time if Wayne ever slipped up and didn't, I think, call or send a birthday card to any one of his siblings, uh, he... He was informed about that. To put it politely, by his, by Walter. So uh huh. They they have their eggs all in the right basket and they're lined up properly.
1: Yeah, they're they're a very humble family, and uh, yeah. of course, you know, like you, Walter does a lot of uh, philanthropy work, giving back, fundraising, charity work, mm-hmm. and truly a pillar of the community.
0: And I'm sure, uh, and I think Wayne's the same way. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So yeah, and he graciously wrote the forward for my first children's book. So again, couldn't be more yeah. grateful. But uh, so what I'd like to know from you, Bob, you know, uh, kind of linking it back to my brand of living fearlessly, you know, what, what are your tips for living a life of fearlessness? You know, how would you impress upon people of all ages, of all demographics, of all strife, plights, missions in life? You know, what would you say specifically about living a life fearlessly?
0: Well, uh, I've never been asked that before and I don't think of myself living fearlessly. I think I, I live a life, I, I don't live a life, my life happens around me. <laughs> okay. So I'm kind of serious about that because you can only plan so much and my I've just had a series of happenstances that has sort of placed my right foot in front of my left and back and forth as it goes through the years. And I I guess I can jump back a little bit uh, by saying I would never be in this business had it not been for my mother. Uh, My grandmother was wise enough to make sure that every one of her eight or nine children either sang or had a musical instrument. And my mother's was the piano. And when when, uh, my grandmother passed away, we inherited her... Huge upright piano for our parlor on the farm, mm-hmm. and one day I'll probably jump around a little bit from your question, but one day she was playing. I went in, and I was six years old, and started kind of humming along. And she had a good ear and realized that I I, I was kind of humming in tune, apparently. And she said, uh, "I think you you have a little good voice." So she taught me in the good old summertime. By the time the dad came in from plowing the field at lunchtime, she had taught me. In the good old summertime, which I sang for my dad, and that was kind of the off and running. So you know, had we not inherited that piano, and I kind of that was a, a major opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you want to hear a couple more because I'd love to. Well, that that led my mom was reluctant to be a farmer's wife temporarily until her mother said. You're a farmer's wife. You live in the farm. She thought he might commute from the city. And so uh, she was a gracious farmer's wife and helped out a great deal and so forth. But when I started singing, she found every little cat and dog fight within 50 miles for me to sing at, from funerals to weddings to parties and, you know, everything possible. And uh, I, I did it. I started performing a lot. And then when she heard on the radio, that there were a couple of amateur hours up in Chicago, the Rubin Stars of Tomorrow and Morris B. Sachs. She immediately wrote to them. I went up and auditioned and was accepted and performed on those and won first prize and then a lot of other prizes along with that. And that sort of led me all through you know, grade and high school, just performing everywhere. And then I was all signed up. I'll just tell you how this might be a little clue to how important Helping people along the way might be. Mm-hmm. I was signed up to be good to go to the University of Illinois like my older brother who was 10 years old and he was part of my hero, uh, having served during the war as a, a gunner instructor and a B-17 bomber. And that really, you know, as a nine-year-old, uh, with a 20-year-old, bro- old, older brother, a 20-year-old, 10-year-old brother who is, uh, 20-something, uh, I, I I got a scholarship from this little music club in Ottawa, a one-week scholarship uh, to, an old, to the old J. Ogden Armour Estate Meat Packing Company for one week, and all the faculty were from the Northwestern University, which is a top music school, and, and various uh, conservatories in Chicago, and we did sort of semi-classic kind of pieces. And at the end of the week, and I I did a lot of, you know, solo pieces like a lot of other people. This was for another one other little girl and myself for one week. And at the end of the week, they said, what are your plans? I said, well, I'm all signed up to go be an engineer down at the University of Illinois. Hmm. They said, have you ever thought of going into music? And I said, well, not really. I said, can you make a living? She said, well, sometimes. So in any event. I said, what do you suggest? And they said, well, there's good schools, uh, Northwestern, University in Indiana, Michigan, University of Michigan. And that sort of caught my ear because my very best friend from third grade, all through grade high school, uh, was going to Michigan and his uncle and father were both grads of the University of Michigan. So I said, well, that sounds, that's easy. So I, I did a right 180 degree turn from being an engineer to going to music school And uh, I was turned down because I was applying like, you know, three or four weeks before classes started. And
1: Mm -hmm. I got turned
0: down, but fortunately, his uncle and father were fraternity brothers of a guy that was in admission. So they made a call and a little networking helped, and I got in and spent, you know, four wonderful years there. And I'll stop there, but I can go on and on and on about how things just kind of worked out. Mm -hmm. And one time. When I was getting a master's at Manhattan School of Music, I was studying privately with Sergius Coggin, who is a professor at Juilliard School of Music, one of the top music schools in the country. Mm-hmm. And I got I got chosen for the Mitch Miller shows, Sing Mitch Miller. And I came in. He had a very thick Viennese. He was from Vienna. And, of course, the musicians are incredible there. And I came in, and I was all enthused. I said, boy, am I lucky. And he said, why? And I said, I just got chosen to be part of the sing-along with Mitch, a a weekly television show. And he said in his very strong, thick Viennese accent, he said, luck has very little to do with it. (laughs) I said, really? He said, yes. He said, because if you weren't prepared, Mm -hmm. there'd be 15 other people waiting at the door to go in and audition for that. And I thought about that a lot of times. And I said, well, that's partly right, because I've, I had been preparing really and doing what I'm still doing now since I was six years old. And I studied all through grade and high school, piano and voice. And then that did my undergrad at Michigan and master's at Manhattan School of Music and so forth. So there was a lot of hard work. And a lot of people ask me, how do I succeed in this business, which is and can be very, very challenging and, mm-hmm. and discouraging if you don't make what you want. But the only thing I tell them is that you know, be as absolutely prepared as you can. This doesn't matter whether you're in music or whatever you're doing uh, because there's going to be a lot of guys waiting in line for that same job. Mm-hmm. And I've found that to, you know, kind of get me all kinds of things that I probably n- never would have gotten or had anticipated getting if you hadn't put the work in ahead of time. But there's a little bit of luck, you know, all along mm-hmm. the way. So, uh,
1: Well, I... Uh, Bob, I certainly... That's kind of
0: my story.
1: <laughs> and I love your story. It's a, it's a very will. young story. And and what I'd like to say, too, you hit upon something that often comes up as a, a general theme with whomever my guest is on radio. It doesn't matter if they're a professional musician, if they're a thought leader, if they're mm-hmm. an author, uh, you know. We talk quite often about, you know, people and even listeners. anybody who's tuning in, people become familiar with the household name, and you know, when people pop and they cross Mm -hmm. over to the next level, but there's sometimes that that misunderstanding or, um, you know, the the conception that these things just happen. You know, people Mm -hmm. don't see all the effort. They don't see, as you talked about, discouragement and all the things that sometimes go awry that don't necessarily. Mm -hmm. Come out, you know. Um, right. So, so what do you say to people? Like, how do you? I mean, I'm sure you've encountered that throughout your whole life and your whole career. People just make the assumption everything's aligned and fallen into place for you. And so, you know, a lot of people may not be privy to the backstory of some of a lot of what's happened in your life. But you know, what do you say to people who who just assume those things or have that presumption of people who just make it or their name becomes household,
0: uh, and and become successful, right? That's yes. Well, there's sort of these, you know, there's a lot of teenage idol, teenage idol shows where they happen to have a good voice and they have a lot of talent and they pop and all of a sudden, you know, they've got their own show and they're touring and that kind of thing. But that's the exception, I think, to the rule. Uh, the only thing I ever say is that, you know, you're going to get turned down a lot. I mean, for instance, I used to audition for commercials both on camera and off and, and voiceovers and so forth and you go to an audition there might be 10, 15 guys there many that you may know or many you want all from Broadway, professional Broadway actors and performers and so forth and my, my success rate on those was maybe one out of every 25 auditions I'd go to uh, I might get a bite and, and get it and my, my thing was by the time I hit the elevator i I make myself forget that i've ever went to that audition because if you start you know thinking, "Am I mm-hmm. going to get it? am I going to get it? You can drive yourself crazy and you have to know that you know there's a lot of very talented people, and half the time the people that are auditioning or trying to see who they want, they don 't really know what they want themselves they 're just seeing everybody, and hopefully that somebody comes along and inspires them for the right job. But I guess in general. Uh I would say you have to have a passion, tremendous passion for what you want to do and it doesn't matter whether it's the arts or mm-hmm. whatever it is if you don't if you don't feel really passionate about what you're attempting to do in life uh probably it's not worthwhile and probably it's not you're not going to be that successful but if you are you're going to hit a lot of bumps in the road especially I would say actors even more difficult than sometimes professional singers because uh, everybody in the world wants to be an actor. Not everybody, I'm sorry, but many do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's tremendously competitive. I mean, you think of musicians who want to, that go to all these music schools, and they all want to play first chair on the, you know, the Toronto Symphony or the New York Philharmonic, and it just ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. They might be lucky to play seventh chair in some mediocre orchestra, medium-sized orchestra. So... I think they just, you just have to continue to slug it out uh, until you either say, I, I, I'm doing what I want to do or I've given it a good shot for four, five, six, seven years, whatever it takes, and it's just not going to happen for me. And then you look around. That's why I, I'm, whenever someone is in music school and they say, you know, how do I make it, how would you make it, etc.? I say, you better have a good fallback, so that's mm-hmm. why I've... In my own personal, I had no idea if I was ever going to get a job in New York when I got out of the Army in 1956 and came to New York to get a master's, but I started freelancing immediately, and having the master's, uh, I didn't have an education, I was a straight performance major, but I knew I could always teach in a private school, which I did for two years and met my wife, Uh, or I could probably teach in a lot of college situations as a performance. So. Backup is a really good thing, probably in a lot of professions, but certainly if you're going into the arts, I would say.
1: Mm-hmm. And aside from, as you mentioned, preparedness, being prepared for whatever it is you endeavor to do in your life, aside from that, what else would you say are essential key ingredients in order to propel and catapult to whatever level of success, because we all define that very individually and very
0: differently. So right. what,
1: what else do you think are key ingredients in order for that to come to fruition for people?
0: Well, in the at least in my profession, I think because the, there's a long lineup waiting to do what you do, uh, I always attempted, and I do say to people, try and give, you know, another 30 or 40 or 50 percent pick a number, more give to the job than what you're expected to do. Mm-hmm. And if you're prepared to go that extra way, show up early, stay a little later. Uh, get as much information for the job that you're attempting to. And I think it was uh, who was it uh, that, that played? Uh, I'm I'm forgetting the show. It was like an early gangster show, and he was auditioning for it. Marlon Brando for okay. a major part. And he he really had a focus on who he was going to be in that part, and to the point where you know he had to speak as he did. I can't the name is it's a major major movie that name escapes me, but he stuffed his cheeks with cotton, so he had that kind of a over over heavy weight and he put on he put on weight and he got the dialect all down, so he really had it nailed before he went in there. that was incredible preparedness so whatever it is uh in my case, I had four years of sight singing, but I found out when I got to New York and started auditioning for. Uh, especially for commercials and jingles there was a lot of jazz rhythms involved and i'd never really sung jazz i'd sung almost every other kind of music and i i lost lots and lots of auditions for especially uh, jingles which can be very well paying and Mm -hmm. i finally found a guy that could help me you know he i was in a quartet with him and he was a jazz sax player and a singer and I made sure that I worked with him as much as I could to learn that skill as well. So, uh, Lovely. you know, it, well, let me ask. everybody has their own little path to follow, and it's almost impossible because this is the second point to follow. Many times I've told some, I used to tell some of my friends uh, when I first came to New York and was auditioning for everything possible. Uh, and I'd say I'm going to be auditioning for such and such, and they say, "Oh, forget it. He's impossible. He's not a nice person, or she's not a nice person." I said, "Well, you know, I'll be the judge of that." And Good. nine times almost out of nine, I would go, I would audition, have no problem with the person, get the job, and work, you know, and be delighted. So uh, I think you know, going into in a place with a smile and mm-hmm. with a tremendous sense of cooperation no matter what it is and never going in with a negative attitude towards anything uh, is tremendously helpful I remember recording in Toronto I did several CDs with top studio musicians in Toronto the first four or five albums I did and uh, I remember talking to a couple of studio uh, owners at high end recording studios in Toronto and I said talking about people getting jobs and he said sometimes I'll get a couple of guys coming in and he said and one may be more qualified. No, no, I know that he's more qualified than another. But he said his attitude was so good, uh, so positive, and he was mm-hmm. here on time. He worked later. <clears throat> he said I would pick, I would pick a, 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 an employee over, over that any time over someone who is more qualified. If you knew that they were going to really give it all they've got and then more, if they got the job. Bingo. So, yeah.
1: you yeah, Bingo. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, so I'm sure you've witnessed that or had a lot of people tell you that. It's not a unique story, I'm sure.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I think think everybody understands that to be true and to be essential, but it's not everybody who actually verbalizes that. So I very much appreciate the fact that you incorporated that into your answer because Mm -hmm. it is key. It is pivotal. You know, you -hmm. can get two people, one, as you know, it doesn't matter what it is, whether you're talking sports, music, anything. Right. And you can yep. have people who have equally matched skill sets. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they could have equally matched stats. Uh, but attitude always shines through and separates the two people. Always.
0: Yep. And, um, uh, you know, the more, the more positive you are with people, I think that's something that builds in your life. I was fortunate to grow up in the Midwest, which I found very similar to being, as I mentioned, around Saskatchewan in farm country. And, People in the Midwest of this country are are very very polite. Uh You don't, and sometimes almost almost too polite, because you're never quite sure where they stand on an issue or a question. Because they will agree with you and they'd be very polite. But you know, then you hit New York, and you don't have to worry about that sort of thing. Sometimes, <laughs> very <laughs> and I'm true. Sure it's probably true in many places of metropolitan areas like Toronto as well. Uh, they they tell it like it is, but certainly in new york, it it's not necessarily a rude thing. It's just an honest approach towards uh, communication with people. They'll Absolutely. If you ask them a question, you get a straight answer, nine times out of nine almost or ten, certainly, which Absolutely. is kind of refreshing.
1: It is, and you know, it also reminds me of uh, some, you know, content that I've heard on some live stream videos with my peers and colleagues. And you know, mm-hmm. we talk we talk quite often about what what does one person, if they're truly honest with themselves, to deem to be more important. Is it more important mm-hmm. for you to be liked, or is it more important for you to be respected? Because oftentimes, right. if you, you opt to be respected. There's going to be a lot of people who don't like you, but at the end of the day, yep. you're on
0: yourself, right? I think that's absolutely true. I, I a lot of people, and I guess that's what you're talking about, really work very, very hard to to be liked. No matter no matter what question or how they're dealing with someone, and you can spin a lot of wheels attempting or working hard to be liked, which uh, is a nice thing for a while, but it it doesn't doesn't really help your self esteem down the road. Absolutely. There's going to be a lot of people that are not going to like you or not agree with you, so. Better to get honest with yourself, I think, earlier on than when you're 95 or something, right?
1: Very true. Very true. Yep. Because if you're not being honest with yourself, then you know deep down that the people who claim to like you, they're liking you based on the facade of you and not who you truly are.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, and you know, and kids can certainly put you right in your place. Oh yeah. I've, <laughs> I've, I've had so many great one-liners. A couple of times I used to work with the Vancouver Symphony. I did three or four concerts in a row year after year. They're holiday concerts, and and I got some real zingers. One one time I remember, I, well, two or a couple of times. One time I and I always do a meet and greet after the concert, either right down off stage or out in a in a greeting meet and greet area. And this little boy and girl, their brother or sister, and the little boy was about five years old, and the sister was a couple of years older, or seven or eight and uh he said i liked your concert bob i said thank you and he said uh he said, i said see you on tv and i said oh that's nice really and i made the mistake of saying do i look the same and he said nope and i said really how come and he said well your your, your teeth are kind of yellow <laughs> and his older sister knew that wasn't too cool and she thought, I've got to save my brother this embarrassment. Right. She said, "She said, well, that's okay. When you're old, your teeth are supposed to be yellow. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> and I wasn't all that old at that point. I was in my mid-30s. Right. And uh, it goes on and on and on. I mean, I, I could fill a book with one-liners like that. With, uh, I bad. This has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But, uh, the last time, about less than a year ago, I was in Vancouver, and I was going up the ho- the elevator at the Bayshore Hotel where they say a wonderful hotel and this couple uh husband wife and their little child came in out of the pool which is right next to the elevator and they're all dripping wet and the little boy is dripping wet and so i said you went swimming and he said yep and so i thought it'd be fresh and i said was the water wet <laughs> and he said he said yep i peed in it <laughs> And his poor mother and father went, oh, you shouldn't say But uh, honest answers you always, always get from Absolutely. kids. So.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If you want to truly know the truth or don't want to know something, talk, <laughs> don't talk to so,
0: the child. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about those kids bending the truth to be nice. They just tell it like it is.
1: Yeah, <laughs> fully transparent. I love that. Yeah, which well, is the me-
0: best part of life.
1: Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this, Bob. Because uh correct yep. me if I'm wrong, are you you're 84 years old?
0: 84. Yep. Okay.
1: So let me ask. 84 you this. years
0: young, actually. No, uh, yes. Yeah, thank good.
1: you for correcting me. You're absolutely yeah. right. I I love that. I'm
0: still but upright and 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 cutting my own lawn and all kinds of silly stuff. And and that's a couple that. of okay. years ago, jumping out of a perfectly good airplane at 10,000 feet when I was doing uh-huh. the Wounded Warrior. That was. <laughs> You know, if you talk about excitement, I never anticipate doing anything more exciting than that for the rest of my 84 years or fantastic. whatever it is. fantastic, it was great.
1: good for you. Are you? I hope listeners are listening to this. It's you know, there's no age limit to having fun ever. There
0: not I felt good about this because I I jumped with a guy, that, a tandem jump, obviously, and the guy on my back who <laughs> literally had my back. Uh, he had I think 10,000 solo jumps and 4,000 tandem jumps
1: and ah. one of his
0: tandem jumps was was President Bush when he turned 90 years old so I thought if you're going to vet somebody that's that's the one there you go. get It was <laughs> it was the it was the, it was the uh, com- not combat but uh, a group of seven or eight uh, guys and one girl who were all veteran parachute team and boy were they incredible uh, as well as as well as all the wounded warriors that I've met uh, over the past three three years with them up in Saskatoon and this mm-hmm. past year in Nipawin north of Saskatoon, and when when you hear someone say this, this is my brother, uh, you really know they're saying it like it is because they said in some private conversations, you know the difference between being here and not being here is. Who you have standing next to you when you're when you're firing after your Humvee has been broke been blown up, and um, those guys are, they're just inspiring to be with. Most all of them were PTSD with wound with a Purple Heart. So um, they're they're the real deal, I'll tell you. Yes. So I I couldn't be a stronger proponent of the Wounded Warrior organization, mm-hmm. especially in in Saskatchewan. That's kind of a special group there.
1: Well, and how fortunate and privileged are we, the majority of the population, that we don't have to relate to that or have any sense of reality on that. I mean I, yeah. I take my I take my hat off to these people. I truly, truly do. You know, the, the oh, amount I do of
0: too.
1: the amount of sacrifice and uh, you know, people who serve, you know, there's various yep. forms in which we can choose to serve and for people who elect to put themselves in harm's way to protect the collective, mm-hmm. amazing. Yep. Just Absolutely.
0: amazing. I just finished a wonderful book that was recommended not by a woman warrior, but somebody else. called Unbroken, which uh, I think has been a movie. I didn't know was out yet, but uh, I won't say any more about it. But it's the uh, same written by the same uh, female author as wrote uh, Sea Biscuit, which was a big hit. Yes. Incredible yes. horse. Anyway, it's a great. It's a. But it's a fantastic read and tremendously inspiring about how. a Uh, people can actually survive under the harshest conditions. Uh, This was World War II, getting Mm -hmm. shot down over near Japan. So I won't say any more about that.
1: Okay. Well, these are all on my list of things to read and to see one day when I have time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's my problem right now. I'm I'm kind of attempting to slow down, but it's just not working out very well at this point.
1: Right. Well, and that's a good thing, right? Because you're living It is a terrific thing, yes. Yes, you're living, you're doing, you're being, you're experiencing, right? So yep. um well let me ask you then, as an eighty-four young year old man <laughs> right? I, I, yes, that was a bit of a mouthful, but you uh yes. cracked myself. So as somebody who has, you know, seen so much uh change and transition in our in our world when it comes to education, when it comes to the internet, when it comes to television, you know, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? what are your insights with regards to you know the dawn of internet versus children's television programming? Mm-hmm. Do you think one is do you think one is more influential than the other? Do you think both have their own place and equal merit or what, what's your view on that?
0: Well, my view is also I, I I'm fortunate one of my five children, they all have their own specialties uh, and they're all fantastic at what they do. One of my daughters has been a producer for the PBS NewsHour for nine years. Amazing. Yeah, and these are short 10-minute pieces that they produce, two or a couple of of months typically. And they, for the past, uh, I think, 27, 28 years, have focused only on education. So I've had a chance to watch a lot of her pieces and some others that other people have done and one of them was precisely on that question, the difference between uh, computer teaching in the classrooms and live teachers. And they did a wonderful special on it and their their def their decision on the whole thing when it was all said and done is that probably the best of all worlds is a combination as one of the choices you mentioned for the reason that uh there are gonna be great variations of, of expertise in any classroom probably. You might have someone who is an English language learner coming from another country, so that that's going to be a stumbling block when you walk through the classroom door. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be people who are incredibly bright and get it on the first time around, and are going to be bored for the next you know two weeks hearing it taught so that the one with the most difficulty can get it. So Mm -hmm. they feel that they kind of concluded that the best of all worlds is is a combination of both of those, and I think they're probably right. Mm -hmm. It's a little disconcerting to see kids, not only children at four and five years old. I mean, it's maddening. They're so facile on every piece of electronic equipment you can throw at them, you know. Yes. Their Their thumbs can type faster on a little pad than I can type even as a Learned typist in high school and typist school and basic training army. You're not alone but,
1: there, Bob.
0: You're not alone. Right. Huh? <laughs> no, no. so, I, I use that little microphone and I talk very slowly and hope that the little thing inside is understanding what I'm talking about. <laughs> but oftentimes you have to punch back and you you come up with some funny little things if you don't speak very clearly and very slowly mm-hmm. with Siri and all of those lovely people. But uh, I think that um let's see where was I going that uh the only thing that bothers me a little bit is, is older kids not that they're well qualified and all of that stuff because they're gonna need it in in their life. Well no question about it. And um but to see two or three of them sitting around at a table all looking down at their handheld device and not talking and communicating I find somewhat disturbing. One day we were out with, I guess, three of our older granddaughters, a couple of them out of college, and one, and two of the three or four of them were had their heads down, looking at their handheld, you know, their device. And my wife said, "Are you are you talking to someone?" And she said, "Yep," and said, "Who?" And it turned out to be her cousin across the table. Get out! They were coming. Yeah, get out! <laughs> How about that? And <laughs> I said, "Come on." So if I'm out with them and we're having dinner i simply don't allow it i say put it in Good. your pocket put it away i'm not going to watch the top of your head but um, it's it's a whole brave new world and you have to be flexible enough to go with it but i
1: um who wrote that aldous huxley i'm sorry i think aldous huxley wrote brave new world didn't he
0: i believe he did yes yes, yes. i think so I'm, I'm not sure i read it but that's Good remembering, yeah, on your part,
1: yeah,
0: so uh it's it's I think you have to be aware of everything that's happening and go with the flow and and be willing to accept that and try and pick up whatever you can. I mean, I'm fairly handy with computers and all that kind of thing, but there's so many it just keeps getting more and more complex every every five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I rely on my two daughters and a couple of my sons who are really good at it. My my one of my daughters helps me with my with my website and my social media because I simply don't have time to deal with a couple mm-hmm. of thousand people that you know try and stay in touch. <laughs> like the least to McDonald's of in the world. <laughs> so but i I, I, would, I would as a little peeny plug i would love people to check out my website bobmograd.com because we put a lot of work putting it together and trying to make it as fun as possible with some good yeah. visuals even going back to some pictures when i was in first grade going to a one-room schoolhouse with my brother who was five years old and her horse and buggy to a one-room schoolhouse uh, for the first two years until they decided to close it Unless one other little girl and I wanted to go, and then to keep it open, we said no, no, thanks. You can close it, and we went to town, you know, to the public, uh, the, the parochial school. But uh, mm-hmm. it's it's a long haul from a one room schoolhouse to being involved with, you know, sort of Absolutely. the largest schoolhouse in the world. Where I've been hanging out for, for forty five years.
1: Uh, I, I don't doubt there's been a lot of culture shock in your world.
0: <laughs> yep, <laughs> but you know, it's if you can. Take it as an interesting challenge and not be stuck Absolutely. in the mud from, you know, from yesterday's lesson mm-hmm. plan. Uh, I think it's, it's wonderful. I, I'm all for it. Beautiful.
1: Well, I, I want to also ask you, as somebody, uh, you know, I know that you've written children's books, and everybody mm-hmm. knows that you've written children's books. So what would your, what would your opinion be, Bob, or, or your belief in terms of the role of books play in a child's development?
0: I, I think it's incredible. And out of, I have, uh, as I mentioned, eight grandchildren and five children. Uh, and out of all of them, pretty much, well, I, I can't speak for my older grandchildren. I think they all read probably perfectly fine enough. But my now, uh, let's see, she's in uh, six, seven, she She's either nine or almost maybe turned ten or about to turn ten. She was fortunate enough to go to, because her mom and dad were working, and they were in a place where the public school system was really subpar. And so they had her in a very good, I think, pre K, kindergarten, first, and second grade. Uh, one, the first and second was a private school. And it really stretched their budget because they weren't making that much money at all, but they were both uh, in the kind of the education, and her husband's a teacher. So they felt they had to do that, and it was an incredible start for her. And I think she's got good brain cells going anyway. But mm-hmm. at ten now, she reads nonstop. She just went to a one-week camp all about, and she loves poetry and reads and writes poetry. She even has a couple of her little poems published in a, a local—not a local, but a you know an appropriate age range. Uh, magazine one time and Mm -hmm. this week that she just went to last week or so was they had published poets and published writers and it was just a tremendously exciting thing for her so beautiful and she's got a mind that just makes you want to dance with joy when you you can Mm -hmm. carry on an absolute adult conversation she loved hearing stories read to her which I think is something that I hope every parent does Mm -hmm. because she had them in her pre-K, K, K, and kindergarten and first, second grade. And she would pick up phrases without anyone knowing that she would place just at the right time. One time my daughter was down shooting a show in Washington. Her husband was home taking care of her. And she woke up around 6 o'clock on a Saturday morning, came in, tapped him on the nose, and said, "Uh, can I watch, can we go down and watch television? And he woke up out of a grog and said... Oh, Kira, it's Saturday. I just want to get a little more sleep. Can, can I sleep another five minutes? She looked at him with a big smile and said, Well, what's five minutes in the grand scheme of things?
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> so he said, okay, got up and went down and watched her favorite show on, on PBS, I think. <laughs> so. But, well,
1: I think that would wake you know, anybody up. That's quite profound.
0: Oh, it, it really is, and, uh, and I had a, another granddaughter that wasn't the same one. She was about five, and I had my music room in the basement with all my music, and I was working down there putting a symphony show together, and she had a little desk with drawing stick figures, and she came over with half a dozen drawn of the Muppets, and I said, wow, those are great. You're a pretty good artist, and she said, well not as good as monet but beautiful in a different sort of way and i said well that's true you're not as good as monet but i really like them a lot ps her older sister 5 years older did have the video of monet's garden so she was exposed to the name monet and wow. some of his paintings but it's amazing that you know how something that simple can stay with a child and then have that have a concept of herself you know a few years later mm-hmm. uh, anyway I just hope that there's two things I hope parents to a word of parents I hope they read as much as they possibly can and encourage reading to their children because there's nothing like the written word and the other thing I hope they encourage is to be involved in music there's a great organization called NAM it stands for the National Association of Music Manufacturers and it's in California. It's a U.S.-based uh, organization, but they can look it up on, online, Nam N-A-M-M. And there's great uh, tributes and stories from uh, kids in high school, what music meant to them in their lives, and they have done all the research necessary for the last 20 years and know that kids that are involved in music uh, are smarter in school with all the left-right brain things going on. So... Um, Encourage your kids. You know, if they can join anything in their, from kindergarten up through grade and high school, whether it's a band, whether it's a chorus, but just get them involved in music. It's going to
1: Absolutely. make wonders
0: in their life.
1: Absolutely. Well, let me just quickly ask you: when you talk about yep. the written word, you know, what are your thoughts on the discontinuation of of teaching children how to write cursive?
0: uh I don't think it's i don't have any strong i don't have any experience of seeing the pros and cons of it but uh I've seen some kids writing that it looks like more like chinese than than english right and I remember you know Sister Mary Carmelita in third grade in my parochial grade school I went to making pagefuls of just pretty little circles and things and 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 page upon page of the letter a in in small not caps written out and same with every letter of the alphabet my handwriting is pretty bad at this point because at some point in high school I had a year as I mentioned of, high, of typing and I've typed all through I got managed in second eight weeks of basic training to get in clerk type of school so uh, I do write I type much 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 more than I than I write mm-hmm. but When it's something sort of important, I end up half writing cursive and half printing, so it makes it legible, and I think it's just wonderful. One of my granddaughters has wonderful handwriting, and it's terrific when we give her anything at all. It can be the smallest little gift or present or something. Mm -hmm. We always get a handwritten thank you note on some really nice stationery, and I'll tell you, it really impresses my wife and my, my wife and myself. I Aiden bet something written out, and just the thought of thanking somebody.
1: Absolutely.
0: Which, all right. So I would encourage parents to, in a nice way, encourage their kids to start writing thank you notes when they're very very young. Because mm-hmm. I know Carrie's mother did that, and um, it'll carry with her for life.
1: Lovely. Well, Bob, unfortunately, we're at the bottom of the hour. This always goes way too oh, fast for my liking. Um, yeah, you know,
0: I, I, I talk. I never know when to stop talking. No, right? no. It, this it's the, it's the curse of the Irish.
1: Oh, it, that's okay. Uh, you're talking to a Scots East Indian British combination smorgasbord here, so I you are to my Islander. wife is
0: too.
1: <laughs> but, we, uh, spent our honeymo-
0: we spent our honeymoon in Ireland, and that's another whole two hour discussion right. with you. So.
1: Well, you know, that was a good segue because uh, you know, I talked to Cat behind the scenes and we're definitely going to be bringing you back at a later date. We're going to do like kind of a part 1, part 2 series of interviews. Oh, with that'd be great. Kids. I'd
0: love to do that.
1: So, I just want to say thank you so very much for the gift of your time and uh, you know, well worth the years wait to get you here on my show <laughs> well, with listeners. I'm sorry I
0: really. I was not playing hard no, to get. I just got busy no. for a while there.
1: Listen, please don't apologize. I'm immensely we grateful cancel five professor.
0: times on you
1: that's okay but listen well got
0: to thank here. you for thinking of me I appreciate it immensely and, uh,
1: absolutely and we're going to have you back again but I just want to thank my listeners once again for tuning into my show Carpe Diem I'm your host Lisa McDonald with the Contact Talk Radio Network I go live every Friday at 8am Pacific if you have any show topic ideas or would perhaps appear wish to appear as a guest on my show kindly reach out to me either through my website lisamcdonaldauthor.com McDonald is spelled M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D or alternatively, you can reach me at lisamcdonald13 at gmail.com. So I want to wish everybody a fantastic, lovely weekend. Bob, love to you and the family. We'll be having you back here shortly, and love to the listeners. Okay, thanks so much, Bob. All my love to you, and you take care, okay?
0: Okay, you too. Thanks again.
1: Bye-bye. Bye, -bye. Bye, listeners. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.
0: Okay, bye, listeners. You've been
1: listening to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. For more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com.